Psalm 34. Would you turn there? Psalm 34. The Bible said. Well let's read it out loud together. How about it? I will bless the Lord. At all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. How many? Do we have to be afraid? Do we have to live in dread or torment of any kind of fear of anything or anybody, anything that has happened or could happen or might happen? Do we have to be afraid of anything? Can you be completely free of all fears? Now, if this is a new thing to you, let me encourage you. The Lord helped us some months ago uh, on a series called Free From All Fears. It's available in the Word Supply. You can download it for free off the Internet. And not just our teachings, but whoever has taught on this subject, take advantage of it. And do not live in fear. To live in fear is to live a life that is displeasing to God. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And if you're living in faith, you are not living in fear. And you don't have to. Fear has torment. You don't want to live like that. Don't have to live like that. Verse uh, 5. Let's keep reading. They looked unto Him and were lightened. Actually, the uh, Hebrew there, I believe, is they flowed unto him. They flowed unto him and were enlightened. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. Now, I know this is inspired. I know it is God talking To all of us. But also if you back up and read the heading. It says a psalm of David. And did you know that David was a poor man at one time in his life. When they asked him about marrying the king's daughter. He made the mark. He said you know I'm a poor man. How could I do this. So I believe he's talking among other things about himself personally. That what does it say verse 6. How does it start off. This poor man cried. Now, how many understand, uh, not too long after that, you could have called him maybe something else, but you couldn't have called him poor. You talk about rich. How many remember what he gave personally at the offerings of the temple? Billions with a B. You couldn't call him poor. But he was. Can God bring you from being poor to being a big blessing to the kingdom of God? Can he? Well, sure he can. He says, well, if it was his will, (laughs) you need to come back some more. (laughs) 
Because it is his will. And it's not just according to his power and his will. It's according to how much faith we can lay hold of it with. So this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And that had to be focusing on financial troubles. Because he talks about being poor. Can God save you out of all your financial trouble? Can he fix it? Can things turn around? I mean in a day's time. Can they? He says, well, I'm having a bad year. Man, the year ain't half over. Get having a bad year. It's too early talking about having a bad year. Well, if you're having a bad month, well, a month ain't over. How many know what an amazing week can do to a less than good month? (laughs) What a miracle day can do to a lackluster month? First thing you got to get fixed is your mouth, though. Hmm? You cannot talk all day how high gas is and, you know, how high taxes are and how slow this is and how slow that is. You talk yourself right into poverty. Even though you feel the pinch of stuff, you got to talk faith. You got to get up in the morning and say, man, this is a good day for me. The business is going good. My job is going good. Nobody has to hear you except you and the Lord. But you can step out to your front door, walk into your car to go to your job or go to your place of business and say, I call for you to come. Buyers, come in. Come in from the contracts. Come in from the north and the south and the east and the west. Come to me today. Come to me this week. Money, I'm calling you in. Sales, I'm calling you in. Contracts, I'm calling. And you got to be serious about it. But now listen, you can do that. And then go and sit down to breakfast with somebody. And talk about how bad everything is. And how slow everything is. And you can completely undo your confession with your unbelieving mouth. You have to talk consistent with that. All day and all night. And even if it didn't look too good. You have to stay on your faith. Faith Calls those things that be not as though they were. Said out loud, we're having a good year. We're having a good year. We're having a big year. Our finances are on the increase. All my accounts are filling up. We're coming up. We're having a big year. We're having a good year. Amen. Amen. Now don't undo that with some unbelief later on tonight or tomorrow. You say the same thing again. And say it again. (laughs) A lot of people have been talking a lot of unbelief. It's a habit. It's like worry. It's just a habit. People just get around other unbelieving folks. And I'm talking about Christians now. But in this area they're unbelievers. And they just talk and they're just so used to it, they don't even notice how negative they are. They don't even notice. They just flow right into it and go, yeah, man, I tell you, this gas keeps going up. I don't know what we're going to do. And the more you talk that, the more confused and ignorant you'll become. Because your words are affecting you. Man, if this keeps this up, I just don't know what we're going to do. Well, you're, you know, early in our ministry, tell you how I learned some of these things. 
I, something came up and they asked me from the office, what are we going to do about this? It was financial. And I said, I don't know. So about three hours later, here's another call. What are we going to do with this? Well, I didn't know what we were going to do with the other thing. So this is something else. I said, I don't know. This happened about, it seemed like 10 times that day. Something else. And something else. Did you know the devil practices what I call the pile up technique? You know, two or three things, you know, you're still in faith about it. But when the pile just keeps getting bigger and bigger, you're tempted to go, oh, no, this is just too much. Somebody put me out of my misery. This is just. No. Don't let yourself think like that. But every time it come up, I kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. Finally, about the 10th time I said that that day, I don't know, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, he said, no, and you won't find out talking like that. (laughs) What am I saying? I don't know. I don't know. So what am I hearing? Faith comes by hearing. What am I hearing? So what am I having faith in? I'm having faith in that I don't know. And I'm becoming more convinced of how much I don't know. All the time. And the Bible doesn't say you don't know. So our words are stout against his. What did he say? He is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. His sheep know his voice. And the stranger's voice they won't follow. And you have an unction of the Holy One. And you know all things that you need. What should I be saying? Even if my head is a complete blank. What should I be saying according to the word? I will know. I'll know what to do. The Lord's showing me. Even if my head says, you ain't got a clue. I say, shut up, head. (laughs) Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. This is the Lord's ministry. This is his business. And your business is his business. If you give him the Lordship over it. And you begin to say, no, he's ordering my steps. He's directing my paths. He always meets all my needs. Right? And say it every day for the rest of your life. He's meeting my needs. He's meeting my needs. Not, I don't know what in the world we're going to do. That's unbelief. And it's unacceptable. Right? So talk right. Talk right. What kind of year are we having? Come on, help me out now. Huh? We are having a big year. I mean, a prosperous year. A big year. This is the year that dreams come true. This is the year. That wasn't just me. This is the year that dreams come true. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Lord. This is the year that dreams come true. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe it. We receive it. We expect it. In Jesus' name. Say it out loud. This is the year that dreams, our dreams, my dreams, Come true. true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's already begun. begun. 
Believe. Now do you know what your part in this is? What is your part? It's really simple. Really simple. If you really believed that, how could you tell? You would be excited. If you're not excited, you don't believe it. If you believed it, you'd be excited. So that's your job. That's my job where this word is concerned is simply be excited every morning when you get up. And if you're not, I don't care if you have to get yourself by the ear, drag yourself over to the mirror and take a toothpick and prop up both corners of your mouth. I don't care if you don't feel like it at all. You look in the mirror and you go, this is the year. (laughs) This is the year that dreams come true. And stir yourself up. And if you'll be excited, that means you're in faith. You're giving God what he needs. And he does the rest. None of this will, we'll wait and see. No, no, uh-uh. that won't cut it. Got to be excited about it. And if you believe it, it's not hard to be excited about it. You, it comes pretty natural when you believe it. Yeah. Glory to God. You know, this, uh, this aircraft is a dream come true for me right now. The first little one we got, and I used to dream of being... 10 miles above the weather and so fast that it couldn't catch me. And, um, you know, and the ability, no matter what the weather's doing, and just to have this kind of ability to shrink the country down to two hours or three to anywhere. This is it. We're here. Amen. And uh, this church is a dream that I didn't even know I should dream. <laughs> But it is that we're living in it. Amen. And, uh, you know, some of you have already got your houses and already got your lands. And many are getting their houses and lands in this year. In this year, your dreams are coming true. It's happening. Now, you're spiritual enough to know this ain't just Brother Keith talking, right? This is the year that dreams come true. Glory to God. This is the year. Now, E-members, I'm trying to hear your shouting. You must not be sitting there just going ho-hum with your mouth full of potato chips. I don't care if you are in your own house. We're having church. So close that chip bag and swallow And begin to rejoice. So you don't miss out. Right? There's no distance in the spirit. Time zones. Geography. Distance does not matter. What matters is believing God. Hallelujah. Well, this was worth coming out for tonight. Right here. I'm glad I came. Glory. This is the year. This is, this is the, that's a good way to wake up, isn't it? You go, thank you, Jesus. This is the year that dreams come true. It's already happening. Hallelujah. The Bible said in verse 8, Psalm 34, 8, 
Read it out loud with me. What does it say? Oh, taste and see. Now, let's just stop right here. What, what does taste mean? What does taste mean? Taste is experience. I mean, you can go in and you can watch them cooking in the kitchen. You can go in the restaurant. You can smell it. You can look. And that's all fine and good, but it only goes so far. In order to really, you know, partake of what you should, you have to taste. And only when you taste do you experience. But did you know that just like you can taste physical food, you can taste spiritual food, and you can taste spiritual things? You must be able to. He said so. The Bible says in Job, the book of Job, He said, the ear tries words like the mouth tastes food. That sounds strange, but spiritually, you eat with your ears. Not your mouth. You eat with your ears. I mean, it works exactly the same way. You put something in your mouth, and you chew it, chew it, chew it, chew it. And if you chew it long enough, what are you going to do? You're going to swallow it. When you swallow it, it gets inside you. And your body assimilates part of it. And part of it becomes part of you. So physically, it's not just a saying. Physically, you are what you ate. (laughs) But people say, you know, I gained 20 pounds this week and I didn't eat a thing. (laughs) I had a... Researcher, scientist one time tell me, doctor, forget his name. He said, that is a biological impossibility. (laughs) He said, your body does not produce excess pounds of flesh out of thin air. (laughs) It's got to make it out of something. And it's got to be something you put in your mouth. Spiritually, exactly the same thing. You are what you have eaten. That's why it's so important what you listen to and what you watch, what you fellowship with, what you talk about. And did you know that just like you can be poisoned with physical food, you can be poisoned spiritually with bad doctrine and bad teaching. It can poison your insides. And there's a lot of Christians that have been poisoned to the healing power of God. They've been poisoned to talking in tongues. They've been poisoned to prosperity. Because people have taught them that it was of the devil. And it wasn't for them anymore. And it passed away and all this other stuff. And they believe they ate that bad junk. And now their spirit is sour. And they're bitter in all these areas. But it said taste and see what? Taste and see that the Lord... Is good. (laughs) You know, nearly every time I read that, I think about my grandmother who's in heaven, who's a fine cook and a fine woman of God. And I, as a little boy, you know, we'd come to their house after school. Man, she was a great one. Boy, she took care of the grandkids. Ooh, brother. Rice pudding and tea cakes. Homemade. None of this, you know, unwrap and zap. None of this add water and stir. I mean, she'd get out the flour sack. 
start from scratch. I mean, it's just different. If you don't, it's sad how much we don't know nowadays. There have been a few times that I've sat down and people made things from scratch. And, you know, even in recent times, and you eat that compared to the other stuff and you're thinking, what have I been eating? (laughs) Cardboard. It makes the other stuff taste like cardboard. And it tastes like just what it is. Dried up, reconstituted. Well, if that's all you eat, you don't know the difference. Oh, but when you get a hold of something fresh. Come on now, right, right out of the garden. It was hanging on the vine this morning, yeah. <laughs> and it's on your plate now. Yeah, this is good. yeah no, no freeze-dried, no <laughs> dehydrated, hydrogenated, reconstituted. <laughs> you know, it, it's not hard for you to take a big bite of that and go, mm-mm, this is good. My grandmother would be over this big pot of stuff, you know, and she'd been cooking all day. And she'd take a little sip and she'd go, mmm, mmm, that is good if I did make it myself. (laughs) Well, when you taste of the Lord, I'm not talking about religious junk that people call the Lord, something that really is Him. Have you had experience in this? Can you say, oh, 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 He is good. And I'm not talking about what you told me. I just tasted of Him. I've just experienced something of him. And what other word could you say? He is good. Completely good. Good. Oh, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Now, let's just stop right here. Is want or lack, is it good or bad? That was a little weak. Not having enough to pay your utilities. Good or bad? Yeah, but it might be a blessing in disguise. Huh? There's a lot of people believe that. Not having enough food for your kids. Good or bad? Well, then is it the will of God? Could it be that a good God has a bad will for you? How's that work? People are confused, but God's never been. The church has changed its idea and opinion and doctrine about stuff as many as the years go by. But God has always been good. And his will has always been good and it's going to always be good for everybody all the time in every situation now what happens is people in fact uh, hold your place well you can turn it loose go with me to uh, two places Exodus 33 and Romans 16 we want to go to Romans first Romans 16, and then we're going to Exodus 33. The psalmist said, Thou art good and doest good. That's such a simple phrase. Two-year-old could get a hold of that. But educated people have changed it, haven't they? And it's so simple, a child can understand it. God is a good God. He does good things. His will is good. Yes. 
The devil is a bad devil. He does bad things. And his will is bad. But see, people have gone to school and read books and learned better. There's some time God, even though he's a good God, he does some bad things. And nobody knows why. And that bad things can happen to good people for no reason. It's the unexplained and mystical will of God. And he, I, I've heard, read, read after theologians have said that really, you know, the devil's a bad devil, but he can't help it because God needed uh, a bad devil to do some bad stuff. And so he made a bad devil, and really the devil can't help it because he's just doing what God has made him to do. Because God needs, needs some bad stuff done sometimes. So he had to make a bad devil. So, you know, now, now you think about that. If that's so, we've had it. <laughs> if our God and the devil is working together concerning us, we might as well give up because what, what can we do? We don't even know who to resist. <laughs> when the devil shows up, we have to say, uh, did God send you today or did you just come on your own? Because if you just came on your own, I'm going to resist you. <laughs> but now if God sent you here, you know, for me to grow in holiness or something, you got to tell me. Well, what do you think he's going to say? <laughs> he's a known liar. <laughs> now, I know it sounds fun and humorous, but you do understand millions of Christians believe that. Or some version or form of it. Bad things are happening in their life and they're going, well, now we just need to submit to the will of God and just we don't understand. You know, basically uh, what people are saying, and I've had people tell me this, well, now preacher, we don't always know what's good. I'm saying, you know, this person's been attacked with cancer. Well, yeah, I know you think it's bad, but now God might know it's good for you. Do you understand millions of Christians believe some form of this? And basically what they're saying is we will not be able to discern between good and evil. And they're telling us to believe that everything that happens is God. And so it has to be good even if it looks terrible. And we just are too ignorant to understand any of it. So we just have to submit to all of it because... God's working something out and we don't know and it'll, it'll be good in the end even though it seems the awfulest, terriblest thing we've ever been in. But That's not the Bible. I said that's not the Bible. That's man's pitiful attempt to explain things instead of accepting the Bible. Now look in Romans. This is the truth. This is the truth concerning this thing. Romans chapter 16. Man, I'm happy in my spirit. We're making progress in this thing. I'm telling you, we're going to get some things knocked in the head <laughs> that have been holding us back, right? And get our mind renewed and think like God told us to think all along. And then those things that have been holding us back are not going to hold us back any longer. And our dreams are going to come true. <laughs> some of this year. We have a word from the Lord. Romans 
16 and 19. Romans 16, 19 says, Your obedience has come abroad to all men, and I am glad therefore on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Read that out loud. I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. What does God want us to know about? Does he want us to know what good is? Oh, yes, he does. He doesn't just want us to know a little something about it. He wants us to be wise concerning it. Now, evil, does he want us to know about evil? No. There's a lot of stuff in this world. We are so much better off not seeing, not hearing, not knowing. Hmm? So much better off. Go to Ephesians, please. Just a few pages over. Ephesians and the uh, fifth chapter. Fifth chapter. Ephesians 5, 3. He said fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor that's talking about coarse and filthy jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Should we be talking about or involved in any of these things? No, No, we should not. Now skip on down. Verse 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. So if you are talking about that and involved in that with people, you are going to partake of what they partake of, including their judgments, including their punishments like we've talked about. For you were sometimes darkness. We used to be in some of that stuff. But now are you light in the Lord? So walk like it, act like it, children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all what? For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Now we know, uh, looking later, you know, or in Galatians rather, at the list of the nine fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc. But we know that all of them are in what? Goodness. Love is good. Joy is what? Joy is good. Peace is good. But let's just back up. What about the opposite of them? Hate. Hate is bad. Depression. Ain't nobody depressed for the glory of God. Ain't nobody depressed because they're more spiritual than other people and are more of a prayer warrior and carrying the burden. Depression is bad. It's not faith. And it's not God. There is no excuse for being depressed. We are commanded to cast all of our cares. How many of them? Come on, don't quit me now. You don't want to hold on to that depression. If you sit there and and tune up and go, Brother Keith, you just don't understand. I don't want to be like this. But you don't have to be like that. But if you argue and fuss about it, you'll stay that way. Casting all your cares. Over on him. Depression's bad. 
Heaviness is bad. All that's bad. And he mentioned the other. It's in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now verse 10. What? What? Proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Now skip on down just a few verses. Proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse uh, 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What about these people that try to tell us we can't know the will of God? They tell us, well, you just don't know. Obviously, you know, this is happening, so it must be the will of God. No, everything that happens is not the will of God. Take the biggest and most obvious. People dying without Jesus is not the will of God. Well, it has happened. It's happening. Well, then that theory don't hold then. Well, God, I just believe now, preacher, I just believe that God is omnipotent. I just believe that God is all-powerful and that nothing happens but what is His will. Well, you believe a lie. I said, you believe a lie. There are all kind of things happening that are not the will of God. Top of the list is people dying without him. And the Bible said he is not willing that any, he is not what? He's not what? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. All should come. Well, are people not coming? Then it's not his will. But it's happening. No, everything that is happening on this planet and everything that is happening in people's lives is not good and not God's will. There are a lot of things that are bad and they are never were the will of God. And they're happening because people, human beings, have a free will. And they can choose whether they obey God or not. They can choose whether they believe God or not. And when they choose wrong, then bad things happen. And it's not the will of God. Now, do you see this? Now, we are supposed to be wise concerning good. And this is really an undergirding truth of this whole series. It is God's objective that you and I become wiser concerning good. And that we become more and more settled about what's good and what's bad. And any gray areas and ambiguity, we wondered, is this good or not? We find out, no, that's bad. Don't have any part of it. Is this the will of God? Does God really want me to have all this and do all this? Yeah, it's good. He wants you to have it. Go ahead and embrace it with both arms. Pursue it. But being wise... You know, concerning the good and not being unwise, but understanding and knowing what the will of our good God is, which is good. 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 It'd be so easy to understand if we hadn't had centuries of unbelieving preaching. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about... Went about what? Doing good. Doing good and healing all 
who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with you. Now, why wouldn't you understand that being sick is bad? And being healed is good. Don't be confused about it. Being broke is bad. Being rich is good. Hallelujah. Did you go to the other scripture in Exodus? I'm glad I came tonight. I'm becoming more excited, more convinced of God's goodness every day of my life. I know what God's done for me and mine, where he's brought us from, what he's done for us, how good he is, how good he's been. And you know, he's just getting started with us, all of us. Mm. Have you tasted any of his goodness? Can I get a witness? Have you tasted of any of his goodness? It's the best life there is. I know I was in uh, Georgia. Oh, this must have been 18 years ago. Doing a meeting. And I come in after the service that night, and I was just particularly blessed, wound up. And it's 2 in the morning. I'm laying there with my eyes wide open. And so instead of just laying there, I just begin to think. Because we had been talking about it, you know, putting yourself in remembrance of things that God had done for you. And what a spiritual truth and powerful thing that is. And so we, I began to do that, just laying there by myself. And uh, I began to think about what God did for me. And how I was uh, traipsing along behind a milk cow. Trying to round them up, bring them to the barn early one morning. And begin to realize God had a call on my life. And, and nobody knew me. Nobody cared. And what God had done with me just in a few decades. And I'd been all over the globe. And seen miracles. And I began to say, oh God. You are so good to me. And I began to think about crisis times. When my loved ones were at death's door. And how God had spared them from terrible accidents and they just walked away from stuff that they should have been dead many times over and, and to brink of death with a disease and God had healed them and brought them back to full health and, and we'd sit down at a Thanksgiving meal and enjoyed fellowship and I said oh God oh God oh you are so good so good so good and I just kept laying there thanking him because he was so good and I'm telling you the Holy Ghost come got into bed with me I got so excited I could not lay down I got up, and I danced around the bed, and I danced around the bed, and I danced around the bed. I tried to do it quietly, because I was in the pastor's house. And then finally I figured, well, what if he hears me praising God? I mean, that's the kind of preacher you want coming to your church, right? I mean, so finally I got calmed down. It's about 3 o'clock. I laid down. I'm going to go to sleep. I got a service in the morning. And I laid down. And they got thinking about some other things God had done for me. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, you are so good. Mm. Lord, what you did, oh, and how you did that. That was a smooth move. God, and, 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 and within the next 30 minutes, I got so excited, I couldn't lay there. I had to get up. I got up, and I just lifted my hands, and I walked up. I'm just in there by myself, and praising God. Because not just to be doing something, there's nobody there to see me. Except him. I just got so excited. Now, if you hadn't been there, you need to get there. 
If that sounds weird to you, you're the one that needs to change. This is supposed to be normal for us. But what I am doing in uh, praising him and thanking him, I am re-experiencing some of the manifestation of his goodness from these times. And what happened before the night was over, I think it was 5 o'clock before I got off to sleep and could have cared less. Uh, What began to happen at the end of that, he began to give me glimpses of some good things he had planned for me in time to come. And this is what he said to me. He said, you think that was good? I said, I know it's good. He said, you wait till you see this. He talks to you the way you understand. He speaks Mississippi slang. Huh? And Ozark hillbilly and Chinese and Russian and everything. But he is exceedingly and abundantly and everlastingly good. Good. Now in Exodus, I think this is my last point. It actually was my first one too. (laughs) Uh, Who cares about that? Exodus. Exodus. In Exodus, the 33rd chapter, Moses, the man of God, has been caught up in fellowship with God for extended period of time. And you know, uh, the glory of God had manifested upon him and around him. And he was talking to the Lord. Now he didn't see him, but the Lord had covered himself with a cloud. But how many know, you know, if you're in the manifest presence of the Almighty. And he could even see this shining cloud. And uh, after spending so much time with him, in the 33rd chapter, he had pled with him that the Lord would not forsake them because of all their terrible sins of the people, but that he would go with them. And finally, the Lord had said that he would be gracious and merciful to them concerning their sin. And verse 14 of Exodus 34, the Lord said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. In the presence of the Lord, there is peace and rest. Not turmoil, not anxiety, not upheaval. God is actually, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not, the King James says, not the author of confusion, but those words author is added. It just literally says he's not in it. He's not in confusion. He's in peace. Rest. Confusion is not good. Confusion is bad. Knowing what you need to do is good. Right? Being upset is not good. Don't think that God has some kind of mystical plan for you to go through all this upheaval. That that's part of his plan for you to go through all that to get to the answer. That's not the will of God. Being upset, being aggravated, being depressed, being mad about the situation, being confused. None of that is good. None of that's the will of God. Knowing is good. Being sure 
Being at peace. Being at rest. That's good. That's God's will. He said, if my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And he said, if your presence don't go with us, then don't carry us up. And uh, he said, because, you know, how will it be known that we found grace in your sight? Is it not that you go with us? Now, in verse 18, you know, it's like this, Moses just cries out with this. He's been around God, he's been around God, and he's talking to this cloud, and he's talking to this cloud, and he's talking to this cloud, and he hears, and he just says in verse 18, he says, Lord, I beseech you, show me your glory. God is real. I said he's real. And he is something else. He's something. And he's been around God, and he's been around God for days and nights and days and nights and days and nights. And he's been around him enough to know, I want to know more. And that is the heart cry of every man and woman of God, every child of God that has really tasted of him. You know what comes next? You get this appetite. You get this hunger. You really taste of him. You really experience His presence and His anointing, man, you're hooked. You are an addict now. (laughs) And you want your fix on a regular basis. And you're unwilling to do without. That's what drugs, drugs are a poor, 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 perverted, sad substitute for this. So what are people trying to do with drugs? They're trying to escape their reality and get an alternate reality that's good and no problems. Drugs cannot give you that. They can mess you up. They can put you in a state where you don't know which end is up. But they cannot give you peace. Can they? There's no pill. There's nothing in a bottle. There's nothing that can give you peace and lift you above all the problems of this life. Into a place where there's complete rest. The Lord spoke this to my heart today. It's really good. He spoke to my heart that people talk about getting real, a reality, in connection with evil. Well, come on now, we got to live in reality. Come on now, get real. What they're saying is acknowledge this terrible, lousy state of life and just acknowledge that this is what you got and live in it. And this is what he said to me, I wrote it down. But in contrast to that, God is real. You want to talk about reality? God is real. Come on, say it out loud. It doesn't get any realer than God. God, He existed before this planet existed. He's more real than anything you ever saw or felt. God is real. He is reality. And God is real. 
when you experience reality in God, you don't need a drug. You don't need a bottle. You don't, you're not looking for an alternate reality. You have found the reality. Well, I get real. You ever heard that kind of stuff? Oh, come on. Get back, get your feet on the ground. Get back to reality. What are they talking about? They're talking about an evil reality. A bad experience. A bad reality. Trying to get you to accept that as where you have to stay, as what you have to live in. No, let me tell you what's real. God is real. God is real and God is good. This is our reality. So, well, y'all just living in a dream world. Y'all just living in a bubble. Well, leave us alone. We're happy. You have to come back to reality. What reality? What reality you got that's more real than God? That existed before this planet existed. That's going to exist after the elements of this earth melt with fervent heat. And the stars roll up like a blanket. He's going to still be here. That's real enough for me. He is my... People try to talk about, well, now don't try to bring your religion into this. You've got to leave your religion at the door. Then I've got to stay at the door. You're talking about my experience with God. We, this is not just a religion we adhere to. This is our life. He is our 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week experience. He is our reality. Show me a better one and I'll consider it. Show me a better way of life. Show it to me. You can't. He's the best. He's it. But now get this. Get this. What did Moses cry out? Lord, show me. Your glory. Read the very next verse. And God said to him. What? He didn't ask for goodness. What did he ask for? He wants to see glory. What did God say? What did he say? He said, I will make all my goodness Pass before you, and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He asked to see the glory of God. He said, all right, I'll show you all my goodness. The goodness of God is the glory of God. This is a great truth. This is a great truth. People get weird sometimes talking about the glory. They do. They're just talking about power. And they're talking about experience. You want to see the glory of God? What is it you want to see then? He said, you want to see my glory? All right, I'll show it to you. I'm going to let all my goodness, goodness pass before you. Skip on down to the next chapter and that's when it happened. Verse 5, 
the Lord descended in the cloud and he stood with him there and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. What did he say? The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Did Moses experience something that day? Did he taste something that day? And what was the core of it? The goodness of God. That's why the devil has fought healing. That's why he has fought prosperity. That's why he has fought victorious living and free living. Why? Because the worst thing in the world that could happen to him is for the world, the unsaved world, to find out how good God is. They'd come running to him. I said, they'd just come running in mass. So he has to keep the world duped. And one of his best tools is religion. And it's sad, but there are untold thousands of ministers and priests and clergy that are not even born again. Don't know God from anybody. Full of education and words and books, but have never met God. Don't know God. And are trying to tell unsaved people who God is. And so they are the perfect vehicles for the enemy to lie through. And so people are made to believe that God is their problem. And that he really, even though people don't come out and say it, he's a bad God. And he's doing a lot of bad stuff in the earth and nobody knows why. But we're all unworthy and unfit and, you know, come do this and do that and hope that you get saved some way. But you're probably not because, no, God is good. He is so good. He's not mean. Come on, help me now. Is he mean? He's not mean. He's not hard and harsh. He's not cruel. He's kind. He's patient. He's long suffering. I mean, your patience is done and gone, and his has barely begun. He's long suffering, and he's patient, and he's kind, and he's good. And when you experience him, not some religious version of it, him, the real God, when you really experience him, you go, you'll go, oh, 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 this is where I want to be as long as I exist. I want to be in this. Because <laughs> this is good. And he is. That's why heaven don't even have to have a son. Why? Because goodness lights the whole place. Goodness is in everything and everywhere. Nothing evil will enter in there. There's nothing bad or cursed that will get in. Everything you'll ever see there forever and ever. It's just good. Everything you'll see, you go, man, that's good. Oh, that's good too. Oh, that's good. Whoa, that's good. Look at that. That's good. And there'll be, that's all there is there. Because he's there. And he really is in control. And his will is really being done there. And he told us to pray 
that it would be done on the earth, just that means it's not being done. If it was already being done, we wouldn't need to pray that it would be. But he said, pray, thy will be done. How? On the earth. How? Just like it is. As it is. In heaven, he didn't have two separate wills. One will. Go with me to the book of Romans. I think we can close. Oh, man, that's good. I'm not done. Go to Genesis. I don't think this will take too long. Go to Genesis. Genesis 45. This is the story of how God delivered Egypt and the people of God through Joseph. And this is near the, uh, the end of his, you know, when he got out of all the problems and God delivered him out of that dungeon and brought him and made him ruler over all the land and made him very rich. I mean, you're talking about rags to riches, dungeon to the throne room in a day. And he has become a very powerful in every way and very rich man. You know the story, because of the poverty and the famine, his brothers came into Egypt to get food, and they had to come before him, and they didn't recognize him. And eventually, we won't go through the whole story, but eventually he revealed himself to them, and this is all prophetic, right? He made himself known to them the second time. A lot of prophecy there. But what happened at that point is he asked them about his daddy. How's my father? And they told him he's fine and the rest of his family. And he said, uh, this famine, because he being a prophet and knowing the word of the Lord, he said, this is going to go on for several more years. And you don't need to be, y'all don't need to be where you are. You need to come here so I can take care of you. And they said, uh, well, you know, he, if we go tell him, he won't believe it. But the Lord showed him how to convince him. In Genesis 45. Are you there? Genesis 45 and verse 17. Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brethren, this do ye. Load your beast, go get you to the land of Canaan. And take your father and your households and come to me. And I will give you what? The good of the land of Egypt. Now Egypt at that time had the latest technology, it was the richest, it was the most civilized so-called. I mean, they had the best stuff in the world, stuff-wise. And he said, go get your family, bring them in here, and we're going to give them the good of the land of Egypt, and you're going to eat the fat of the land. Does that remind you of a scripture? If you be willing and obedient, what will happen? You'll eat the good, and it has to do with the fat, the best, the top of the land. Verse 19. Now you are commanded, this do ye. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. And regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Now, if you look up the words along this line, you'll find many times it talks about goods, goods, goods. And like I said last week, they don't call them bads. 
They're what? They're goods. What is all that stuff you got? Goods. And it's good. It's bad for you to have all that stuff. No, the Bible calls them goods. <laughs> and the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons. Notice it keeps talking about these wagons. Everybody say wagons. Wagons, wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and gave them provision for the way. And all of them he gave the men changes of raiment, and he gave Benjamin extra, 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. How many know if you don't have that kind of money and can't buy that kind of clothes, you can't give them to people and bless them with them? Got to have it. To his father he sent after this manner, 10 donkeys loaded. Loaded. Everybody say loaded. Loaded. Come on now, get ready to shout with me. They're loaded with what? With the good things of Egypt and ten she-asses, that's another ten donkeys and mules, loaded, loaded, loaded. Somebody say loaded. Loaded. Is it good to be loaded with good stuff? Is that good? Being loaded is good. Being empty is bad. (laughs) Loaded. So he sent his brothers away and they departed and he said, now see that you don't fall out by the way. That's talking about fussing and arguing and fighting. No falling out. Say that out loud. No falling out. Now that's important. I mean, there's a whole sermon right here when God's got, do you see he's got a wagon train? Of what? The best stuff of Egypt. They had some stuff now. Jewelry, clothes, food, stuff. A lot of it's in the museums today. They had scores of beasts of burden loaded to the hilt. They had wagons loaded with what? Goods. So there's this wagon train. And it's what? Loaded. These donkeys are loaded. These wagons are loaded. Loaded. With what? The best in the world. Because Egypt had the best in the world. It was the best in Egypt and they had the best. So it was the best in the world. And verse 25. And they went up out of Egypt and they came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him. They said Joseph is alive. And he's governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted for he didn't believe them. See they came and showed him that coat of many colors with blood on it. And told him that this wild, like we said down here, varmint got him. (laughs) And he's grieved for his son for years and years and years. I mean how many years has it been? Decades. And when they told him that, he fainted. And he didn't believe it when he come to. Oh, but keep reading. Verse 27, when he come to from his fainting spell, they told him all the words of Joseph. And when he had said, then he said to them, now get this, get this, get this. Oh, y'all not helping me enough. Verse 27. What happened? When did the change come? When he saw the wagons, he saw all the wagons full of all the stuff. He saw all the donkeys loaded down with that silk and purple and gold goblets and big screen TVs and uh, 
That's what it would have been today. Right? $5,000 suits and, you know, on and on and on and on. When he saw all the wagons. Come on, come on. When he saw the wagons. That Joseph sent to carry him back. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Strength come up in him. He was revived and he began to believe. Because Israel said, it's enough, that's enough. What's enough? That wagon train. (laughs) That's enough. Joseph is alive. I'm going to go see him before I die. It has always been God's mode of operation and his plan that people come to believe in his reality by seeing his glory, which is his goodness. Oh, come on, come on. Do you see that? The... the, uh, People like Jacob who when they hear the word by itself, they faint. And it just sounds too good to be true. And it just doesn't sound real to them and God is not real to them. And the church world has stopped right there. And they just told them Joseph's alive or Jesus is alive because Joseph's a type of Jesus. He's alive and people have went you say so I don't know what does it matter to me what can he do for me do you understand so much of the world that's right where they are so God never intended for that to be the end of it come on he never he always intended that you go come on let me show, look look back over here and here comes the wagon train Didn't the psalmist say he daily loadeth us with benefits? That's one of the definitions of the word good. It's beneficial. Beneficial. What's beneficial? What's helpful? What's good? Loaded. Turn to Romans. I'll close with this. Loaded. Loaded is a biblical word. Loaded is a spiritual word. Loaded is good. Loaded is the will of God. And loaded is the witness of the reality that Jesus is raised from the dead. God never intended you to just tell people and that's it. There's supposed to be wagon loads of evidence of the goodness of God. What are we talking about? Wagons of healing wagons. People healed, healed, healed until folk go, God's got to be real. Look at the house. Could that have happened? And they see how good he is. Wagon loads of prosperity. And every good thing is evidence that the good God is real. And the good Jesus is alive. And that he is good. Man, does that put a picture in you? I'm telling you. Jacob faints when they tell him this good news. It's just too much for him to believe. He just goes, I, 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 boys, I can't believe it. I know, I can't believe it. And then they said, well, look at the wagons. <laughs> How would we get these wagons if you ain't alive? Look at the wagons. 
Wagging loads of evidence. Wagging loads of goodness of God. Proving that he's real. When he saw the wagons, he said, that's enough for me. I know you boys didn't just go pick this up on your own. Joseph's got to be alive. Jesus has to be alive. Look at the goodness. I could shout about that the rest of the night. Jesus has got to be alive. Look at the goodness. Look at the wagon loads of goodness. And that's why Romans, the second chapter that we've quoted so many times, that's why it says it. And I wanted you to turn there instead of me just quoting it. Romans 2. Romans 2 and 4. It says, do you despise the riches of his goodness and his forbearance? That's good. Long-suffering, that's good. Not knowing, in other words, don't you know? Don't you know that the goodness of God is what leads people, leads men, leads you to repentance? It ain't beating on people. It ain't telling them what sorry sinners they are. It ain't telling them they're going to hell if they don't change. It ain't telling them they don't dress right, their hair ain't right, their life ain't right. That don't lead people to repentance. Bible never said it did. Never told us to go out and judge and condemn and harp on this and harp on that. What will cause, what will get a hold of people? People who were fainting and not believing and thought it was all too good to be true and just too wild and they couldn't accept it. What is going to get people like that? And shake them in front of their TV, in front of their computer screen. Shake them, listening to the radio. Shake them. Just watching you in your life. What's going to get a hold of them? The goodness of God will just be there in the morning. It'll be there in the middle of the day. It'll talk to them in the nighttime on their bed. And it'll just keep growing. And they just keep seeing wagon after wagon after wagon after wagon loaded with the good things of God until they say like Jacob, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. I believe he's got to be alive. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet and shout. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, we magnify you. We glorify you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.